Welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. At Evolution NHS, we're committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. We collaborate with NHS organisations to help them build high-performing digital teams. We achieve this by curating and sharing insights into the ever-evolving NHS and digital industry's best practices. I am Ben from Evolution Recruitment Solutions and today I am your host. Today I am joined by Robbie Harley, Service Operations Manager at UHB, Robert Bennett, Head of Finance Systems and ERP Program Director at UHB, and Hashim Ali, Head of Clinical Coding and Data Quality at UHCW. We are here today to discuss effective leadership of NHS tech teams. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and maybe what you're passionate about at the moment. So, without further ado, Robbie, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. So, yes, my name is uh, Robbie Arley. I'm the Service Operations uh, Manager. I'm, uh, I basically lead all the teams that uh, uh, support the systems uh, that are in UHB. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, a challenging uh, role. And I also have uh, the switchboard, uh, so our telecommunications uh, functions as well that that I lead. Uh, so it's a, uh, you know, uh, it's a busy busy role but enjoyable. Uh, and so yeah, uh, what I suppose what. What gets me out of bed in the morning, uh, as uh, I know it's uh, the, the corny phrase, but uh, I worked 20 years in the commercial sector, uh, and it's very different the reward you get here. So, for example, I can make uh, changes in my area, improvements uh, in my department or my function, and actually that that has a direct chain, a direct impact on the uh, staff who are using the systems so the the doctors can practice uh, medicine the, the nurse, nurses can nurse uh and uh, you know uh we can we can kind of leave the staff get on with their with, get, get on with their job so it's great for me to be able to do something that actually helps people and and you know uh, i've i've uh as i say in, in previous organizations I don't get that fuzzy, warm feeling uh, keeping the fat cats happy uh, and the shareholder price the same. Uh, it's a very different feeling. Uh, so here uh, I, I, we get that. And that's something I love about, uh, you know, kind of working working in the NHS. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for that, Robbie. Um, Robert, uh, did you want to give us an intro? Yeah, of course, Ben. Um, hi, everybody. Um, I'm Rob. Robert Bennett, um, Head of Finance Systems and uh, Director of um, ERP um, Transformation Programme here at University Hospitals Birmingham. Uh, I have been here for almost five years now. Um, Feels like five days, what can I say? It's uh, been uh, um, quite an exciting journey. Our focus has been on organisational change management, systems transformation, and that has led us to a point where we're now designing and all be well implementing a brand new SAP S4 HANA platform, digital platform that will address our aging legacy systems um, and be the kernel for um, more effective data quality management going forward as well. Um, background, I actually come from predominantly professional and financial services, um, worked in Canary Wharf for a number of years, 
um, for the likes of the FCA, the Stoke Financial Ombudsman, um, audit background, KPMG. Um, but I've worked on, but, but they've been much on the technology side of um, finance, um, having done multiple transformation programs um, with most of the usual suspects from a technology perspective, the SOPs, the Oracles, the Microsofts, um, which is what has led me to where I am today. Brilliant. Thanks very much for that, uh, Rob. Um, Hash, would you like to give, give us an introduction? Yeah, of course, Ben. Um, hi, everyone. My name's Hashim, or um, locally known as Hash. Uh, I'm the head of clinical coding and data quality at UHCW. Um, I've worked in the NHS uh, for about 10 years, all the way from a HCA in my university days to a trainee clinical coder in London, um, progressing to supervisor, deputy manager, now head of at UHCW. So I've been working at UHCW for about four years, um, coming up to four years. Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Um, what I'm passionate about is use is is driving the clinical coding agenda. I know it has overlaps on clinical risk and epidemiology and statistics and also finance, the secret word that we're not allowed to say, but it's pushing um, um, the the commissioning teams to make sure that we are capturing how complex our patients are, using mechanisms to identify that activity and supporting the clinical teams to to document so we can kind of maximise. Um, the income received based on complexity of our patients. So that's kind of the things I suppose that, uh, like Rob said, get get me out of bed in the morning. Brilliant. Thanks very much for that, Ash. Um, so, you know, now that we've established the context to each of you, let's move on to the topics in focus. Um, so you all have a question or statement on effective leadership of NHS tech teams. Um, as usual, I'll work way around the room, each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Um, you'll all have the opportunity to give uh, your take on the situation. Um, so without further ado, Robbie, you've asked, in what ways can we cultivate leaders who prioritise staff welfare and embody empathetic, people-focused leadership, ensuring a supportive work environment? Where does this question come from? So I think, I think uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's maybe not IT uh, per se, but actually, I lead a team of about 140 people, uh, and actually, from from band band freeze to band seven, uh, and so there's there's a, there's there's an awful lot of uh, folks there who uh, who who you know I suppose I suppose I was, talk, I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were, I was talking about my priorities, and I said, "What's my my one priority?" Said, well, it's the care and welfare of my staff, and then I work down from there. And I think that should be that's what you know leaders, uh, in my opinion, uh, should should really focus on um, is is you know uh, recruiting leaders uh, that have those skills uh, that have those abilities that are able to people lead. Uh, it, you know, not everyone can do it, and you know, some, sometimes uh, uh, folks go, go into roles. Uh, uh, and and they they might be fantastic technically, but actually uh, in terms of the people element and you know uh, to to create a high performing uh, function, it it takes. And I I did a list last night uh, of of kind of uh, and this is what I look for also when I recruit uh, managers. So I've got I've got uh, nine managers, four senior managers, uh, and then the more, uh, more junior managers are under that. Uh, but what what my thoughts were were. 
encouraging open communication you know cultivating that 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 environment where people people uh uh fear that they're willing to speak up because they don't fear uh any any uh repercussions from that you know it, it we, there's an environment where they can say you know what i i'd like to raise this uh you know and i've 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 had people call me in the evening uh and because you know there's there's an issue they want to raise uh and i'm glad and i'm really glad they they did so there's a few 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 highlights here uh so obviously open communication listening to listening to our staff for all the recognition saying thank you i don't i don't think that's always done uh, uh enough thing that's uh, across the board uh so kind of implementing uh and recognizing what we can do there uh in terms of reward and just saying thank you doesn't uh doesn't cost anything so it's good for, good for the trust uh but uh but and i think that's that's uh uh, can be a bit of a, a general thing across the board in in the NHS maybe, uh, and and being inclusive. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm a big big advocate for you know uh, make decision making process and and basically yeah uh, creating an inclusive uh, work environment uh, because actually if you look now uh, at the new generation people are leaving uh, jobs or they don't go for jobs. Because of the in- lack of inclusivity, uh, so uh, uh, so we uh, we we obviously uh, it, it it it's a significant uh, significant thing as leaders that we should we should look to cultivate uh, and and be open about uh, and a couple more also f- feedback me- you know <laughs> feedback mechanisms. Uh, you know, establishing. Uh, you know, I, I there was no no one to ones when I when I joined the trust, and I, I believe if our staff give us 150 hours a week, sorry a month, we should uh, we should give them one hour uh, to have a one to one to say how how's things. Doesn't have to be you know a, a paper based. It could just be a chat. And as we've got a growing uh, remote remote workforce. Who uh, you know that's even more important to understand. Uh, you know that uh, just to just say see how they are, uh, but and that that's for the that's for the 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 staff member, not necessarily. Uh, a, a, you know, I, I think sometimes uh, people can see one to ones as oh, it's, it's a punitive measure. It's uh, I'm going to tell you you didn't do this. Well, actually, no. That's that's not what it's about. And I think if you you can cultivate one to ones where you can discuss b- performance, but actually the main the main topic is how are you doing? Because uh, that's that to me is is one one of my top. Uh, well, I suppose one one of my top priorities that I did when I when I joined this uh, this trust is to put in monthly one to ones. I'll take the hit on the performance because. I want my uh, leaders to do that. And uh, what else did I uh, put here? So just uh, mentor programs as well, uh, mentorship. I have uh, uh, one one chap who work, works for me at the moment, a uh, fantastic guy, uh, Mohammed Bassett, has done some, some, done some great work for me. 
uh, and you know he's he told me you know that he's used me as, as a, um, a mentor uh, kind of figure, and I think that's important uh, also because it, it's not. Yes, there's lots of uh, lots of courses online, lots of instructor led, uh, but actually talking to leaders and uh, seeing how they approach things, uh, I think is important. And and yeah, just just focusing on the well being of, of of staff. So you know, what what does that mean for for me? Example, I do a Santa dash every year. I put a Santa hat on, <laughs> and I go to each of the each of my my staff, each of the hospitals, and just give them a, um, a, a like a gift. Like a, that's actually a tub of you know a tub of chocolates each, uh, and just thank them. And it's a small thing, but actually that that uh, the feedback I had from that when I did it uh, in year one was 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 really positive. They they really appreciated me as a senior leader coming out and talking to them, say and just saying how are things, having a brew. And and you know, give, giving them a, a, a token. So um, so so yeah. So uh, that's that's what I would say are some of the core core value core values. Well, thank you very much for that, Robbie. Uh, I think you know we can all take something from remembering to be kind in our work at the end of the day. Um, Hash, you're you're nodding your head. Um, have you got anything to add to this? I mean, I I think I'd, I agree totally with with the sentiments there. Generally, in my experience, certainly in senior management in the last three, four years, the more you give back to your staff, the more they give back to you. And that's yeah. kind of the principle that, uh, you you know, you need to start with when you think about well-being and stuff, caring about staff. So, uh, yeah, totally in agreement there. Fantastic. And uh, finally, Rob? Yeah, I'd echo um, both the points there. Um, just to say that sometimes I think culture, people, um, behaviours, sometimes trails in a distant third or fourth behind them. Um, thinking mm-hmm. about technology and process um, and, um, and and data things, you know, all of the things that we're grappling in on a day-to-day basis. But in the end, none of that's going to work without um, effective relationships, respectful relationships. And, um, and so Robbie quite, quite, quite rightly pointed out an empathetic environment um, in which people want to come to work, enjoy coming to work. And, um, and you know, that makes everything that we're trying to do much more sustainable. So, um, yeah, I'd uh, say underwrite everything that's been said so far. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for that, Robert. Um, so moving on to you, Hash, um, you've asked, um, what approaches do successful leaders take to nurture talent and foster professional development within their NHS tech teams? So could you give me an idea of where this uh, question comes from? I think it's kind of from the moving current landscape of everyone moving towards being more data driven and and allowing data to um to drive decisions as opposed um opposed to what we were perhaps doing before um i know there's some parameters around that about how how mature your data uh, performance is or your informatics department is or how available your data sets are uh, and there are certain constraints around that but as we are moving towards more technically driven data orientated nhs um that's kind of the focus in certainly in my um my team that i work for in pni to make sure that the clinicians and the stakeholders have the right information in front of them to make the right decisions for the patients um i think i think um from my side of things as well i mean i don't mind going straight into the question uh, in a bit more detail if you're happy ben by all means Hush, yeah please proceed okay so 
I think look, looking back, I suppose the question I want to ask is nurturing talent and professional development. What what do successful leaders and, and the senior leaders in, in NHS hospitals and nationally, um, outside of uh, healthcare even, what do they do to kind of nurture talent and foster professional development in the team? And I think there's about four or five parameters having to think about it um, um, over the last couple of weeks. So... I think one key approach is, uh, as Rob mentioned, is a supportive and collaborative culture. I think we recognise, leaders recognise the importance of working in an environment, encouraging open communication, idea sharing, collaboration with teams and fostering a culture where team members feel valued and empowered to contribute their unique skills and perspectives based on you know backgrounds the, uh, the nhs is almost um has a as a popular staff working staff population of many people from around different places different experiences different cultures and trying to bring that into a culture uh, into a team collective culture it's quite hard to do but so rewarding when you get it right I find from my point of view, it kind of enhances the creativity and problem solving, um, but also allows some of the individuals to kind of learn from each other and allows this knowledge exchange, which sometimes can be lost. Um, certainly as we move to kind of more remote working, one of my, as much as I do, you know, support remote working, one of my concerns I always do have is, is the are the conversations still happening? The day-to-day -day conversations that happened in the office when I was a trainee that you think, oh, I didn't know that. I better write that down. Oh, that's a good way of, of looking at things. I never never understood that way. Um, that's the kind of day-to-day face-to-face conversations that you kind of have to foster in, an, in a team that work on site and also in a team that work off site. And that involves, like Rob says, one-to-ones with the staff, making sure they feel supported uh, um, from senior leaders in the trust. Um, so I suppose that's probably one narrative uh, or one point or one marker of, of senior leadership. I think on top of that, you, you we need, to, I think the NHS is very, very good at providing data, but we're not always necessarily very good at kind of recognition and, and acknowledgement of where that information becomes comes from and how much work actually, you know, we have a national submission to do tomorrow. Actually, it's taken a couple of analysts about four, four days of prep work uh, 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 trying to identify the data points and, and to pull it together for this national submission. Some of that work needs to be recognized. It needs to be uh, uh, acknowledged and and support and, and reviewed with the teams to say this is a great piece of work really w well done thank you for kind of thinking outside the box and i don't and corresponding with the operations team corresponding with the data teams finance to kind of collate this information together so nurturing that kind of talent within the teams is it comes from the top down it comes from senior leadership boosts morale boosts kind of career aspirations and it boosts boosts in my opinion the kind of skill set and knowledge base of your internal staff and allows them to progression into kind of further roles if they're thinking about it and i think so certainly some of the reflections that i've had in in my teams when we've tried to put this environment in is the staff haven't realized how much potential they have and actually some of the reflections we've had when we do the one-to-ones is I didn't realize I could do that I, if I reflect on back on where I was five years ago I wouldn't have understood any of this information but actually I'm in a position now where I'm able to understand that speaking to 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 lots of teams and fostering that kind of work culture together uh, and talent that we know that we have that kind of corresponds into the mentorship and coaching and the leadership roles that we all take and spotting talent uh, um, and establishing mentoring programs, guiding uh, less experienced colleagues, having a structure in your teams where people know where to. It's simple, sounds simple stuff, but you'd be surprised at how, how how sometimes it just doesn't happen. So, 
it's kind of fostering that kind of culture of continuous improvement, rewarding that culture and incentivizing that that type of behavior in your teams. And that is the responsibility and that structure and foundation comes from senior leaders in the trust. So I suppose in conclusion, um, it's multifaceted. Um, the approach to nurturing talent, fostering development, you need to create a collaborative culture, you need to recognize individual strengths and weaknesses in the teams based on background, culture, experience, life experiences, investment into training. Uh, I know we've got finance colleagues on the phone, so I will keep this bit quiet because it does cost money to invest in training, but the payoff is so, so, so rewarding. We've got lots of national programs in terms of apprenticeships that um, are that we offer the staff here, all the way from level two, all the way up to a master's to a level seven, having done a recent master's apprenticeship at Coventry University myself. So those are the kind of opportunities that we offer. And luckily we have quite a large apprenticeship uh, levy budget here at UHCW, so we do try and use that and maximize that and get in there before some of the clinical staff do because we know how important it is to kind of get a, a national qualification and build a person up throughout their career um, promoting mentor mentorship as we, as we discussed providing opportunities for career development and showing the staff you know um, one day I wasn't always in the position I'm in I've had to start from the bottom and there is a progression involved for you guys as long as you know uh, um, as long as you keep progressing and working with us um, there is a route for progression uh, and outlining that from the alf it always helps as well um, ensuring your teams are well equipped to navigate the complexities of healthcare uh, technology with new EPR systems that um, the trust is currently going through as well is kind of a point of saying we need to make sure we are prepped for this or as prepped as we can be for the new world um, and having I suppose my final point is having the patient first it's very easy in performance and informatics to get lost from that part, part of you but actually the reason why we're here is patient patient care and anything that we can do to support that in terms of clinical teams and operation teams is something that we probably should be focusing on. Brilliant. Thanks very much for that, Hash. And I think, yeah, embracing the diversity of, of knowledge within the NHS is really important. Um, Robbie, you had something to add to this. I did. I mean, uh, absolutely uh, underscore what Hash uh, said. Uh, you know, I think on the remote working point, I think... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, call it, I'll call it the water fountain conversation. So those conversations you have when you're making the coffee or you're, you're on the water fountain... Uh, uh, they they can if you're full-time re remote those conversations can can be lost you don't have them because uh you know uh, teams is very transactional you know i'm only calling you because i need this so so you don't have that uh uh that environment and, and then you can also get uh, people teams turn into silos because they're not they haven't really seen each other and you know i think i think actually probably a hybrid um a model it's it's probably it, it, you know is 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 the best personally i mean i've i've uh implemented a uh just a friday afternoon we have a teams uh session every 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 week anyone can join it uh, and it's just an it's just an open open uh uh session there people will, will join and some people from switchboard might join some people from the service desk so you know all, all, my, all my teams and it's not about it's not about talking about work there's no powerpoint presentations there's no it, it's it's about giving them an opportunity to connect somewhere and have a chat have a chat about your you know daughter's graduation or you know uh 
just to build up that rapport and, and you know see 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 your colleagues so that's that's a kind of middle ground uh uh i i've got you know i kind of implemented just to try and help that uh help that 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 that, that, that lack of water fountain conversation because they are so important they they really are it sounds yeah. so simple, doesn't it? But it is. Is it? Sorry to cut you off there, but it, it, it is. It's those kind of key conversations that really sometimes drives people to think differently. And you know, and it's it, it's about how do we overcome that? And I, I I totally agree with you. I think a hybrid model probably for the NHS in 2024 or in the future is probably the best mechanism to to make sure that happens. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for that, Ash and Robbie. Um, I think some very good points made. Uh, but last but no means least, uh, Rob, your question um, was, with the rapid pace of technological change, how do leaders in NHS tech teams ensure their teams stay updated and adapt to new technologies while maintaining the reliability of healthcare systems? Okay, thanks for that, Ben. Um, well, I'll immediately lean into what the guys are talking about there in terms of um, uh, some of the uh, the need to bring teams and work collaborate, you know, work collaboratively together. Um, but where this ultimately starts is a responsibility on tech leaders to have a very clear and effective strategy. Um, we, whether it's single site hospitals, very large trusts, they are huge businesses. They're very complex based. And uh, while it's um, it's easy to say that we've all got one clear vision, i.e. improving patient care, sitting beneath that is a whole range of strategies that need to come together, one of which is then become then is aligned to working collaboratively, not working in a siloed way. Um, technology isn't at the end of an, in the end an enabler. Um, it's stating the obvious, just how rapid that is you know, increasing. We've all seen what's happened with ChatGPT and AI, etc. And we tend to reach for we tend to reach for technology as some kind of silver bullet. Um, when the reality is, we don't always understand um, uh, what the problem it is we're trying to solve, and that there may be more effective, uh, or better ways of coordinating ourselves internally to resolve that problem. It's also a lot cheaper, and we can divert that investment elsewhere, not least into patient care. Um, uh, Hash led into it very easily a few minutes ago when he said it's easy to underestimate how much work is involved in some of the data analysis, for example, and some of the preparation that's involved. So if I sort of sort of come back to sort of the apex of my argument, is that a very clear trust or hospital strategy that, that, that brings together technology, process, data, people, and not reaching for solutions, understanding exactly what it is the problem you're trying to solve, where the capabilities lie, how we restricted in terms of our capabilities, or can we work together more key, in a more collegiate way that actually helps solve that problem. Um, don't predetermine the answer by reaching for another technology and take a genuinely strategic approach um, in terms of um, how we then develop that those technology platforms going forward. One thing I'd also add is visibility. So um, without wishing to sound flippant, you wouldn't take your car in to be serviced unless you thought the mechanic had seen a map of the bot map of the engine. Um, and that is exactly the same position we're in in terms of our IT systems. Understand the connectivity, understand the integration, understand what each application is doing. A full inventory of, and just clear clear inventory of what it is we've got, how they're interacting, how they're being supported by the teams, where the knowledge is. 
and whether or not that we can get to drive value either through working more closely together or whether or not we can build better relationships between those technologies. Now, all of that, of course, is then going to be consumed with you know, the progress of change. Yes, we need to move to more cloud strategies leading to p- partnerships. Um, we are running hospitals. We're not developing software unless, you know, we, we're all going to have some outliers where we do that, but we should be working with the best partners who've got the capabilities, who do risk the issue, the main issues around platform um, and support of that and applications to a point where we can focus both our finances and our resource on the most effective things, which are obviously running the hospitals. So um, I guess the final point I'd make, certainly in this this, this part of the question is that um, one of the reasons, a lot of the questions that's been thrown at me in recent months is, why did you choose SAP? Well, um, we're at UHB. Um, I didn't choose SAP. The trust didn't choose SAP until we'd done an effective due diligence. We didn't predetermine the outcome. We start, we, we, the question I asked when I joined four or five years ago is, what's our business model? What's the problem we're trying to solve? What systems have we got? What are the what, what's the tech what's the level of technical debt we've got? What's the risk associated with that? Don't predetermine the technology before you know exactly what is say the problem is you're trying to solve. Um, and then you can go through um, the, the appropriate level the appropriate levels of government's procurement to get you to the right solution. Um, there's so much we're seeing at the moment. As I say, I mentioned AI a few minutes ago, but the reality is. We're not using some sort of the basic capabilities of technology that's currently under our under our control. Digitization, automation, better tighter integration, or collaborative working that would enable us to work much more effectively and much more efficiently. So see what you can do. Don't predetermine the outcome, but as I say, as it is aligned to a very clear and um, very joined up technology strategy and uh, then you can take on those advancements um, in a controlled way um, without um, uh, um, introducing any extra level of risk. Robert? Thank you very much for that Robert. Um, Robbie you had something to add? No sorry just uh, just just a thought uh, at the the uh, you know my my areas uh, most of them are highly reactive uh, so uh, we keep on doing uh, the same thing over and over, uh, and uh, you know sometimes uh, you have to take a step back. You need to be a bit more proactive and go right. You know, uh, I, for example, I was looking at MI uh, for the end of the year, and and uh, in terms of uh, per per user, twenty six thousand uh, staff we've got. Uh, They've had to call call us five times, so that's really high. So, what, why, why those uh, customers or uh, staff need, needing to call the my service five times in a year? That's very that's that's uh, uh, above the industry. Well, it should be uh, should be less than that. So that's quite high. So it's 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 looking at it's looking at, the, at that we're working to get a a problem manager in who will who will. Uh, it will basically look at all the recurring incidents. Why are we seeing this over and over? And 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 you know th- those roles are uh, more 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 proactive. And that that, that problem management and and that CSI uh, element of it, uh, I think will you know the the best customer service we can give 
is that people that need to call us. That's what I, I've always thought. You know, that's that that's our that's our Nirvana. <laughs> um, so so if we work backwards uh, from that, uh, you know, it, it's 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 important that we look at the data. We've got lots of data. Uh, it's uh, it yeah, it's uh, it it we we got to do something with the data though. Uh, and and there's some uh, there's some great gains to be had just but just by looking up uh, our statistics and why why our why our staff are calling us five times a year. Um, so yeah, wanted to um, mention that. Brilliant. Thanks very much for that, uh, Robbie. Um, Hash, um, would you have anything to add to what uh, Rob and Robbie said? Yeah, I think I, I think um, my colleagues over at USB kind of eloquently described in detail uh, what with similar ideas. I think um, Rob's point about strategy and and becoming collegiate and working together as a as collaborative teams is a key point here. Certainly for the question that I was asked and for senior leaders in the trust. But it is it is. I mean, I mean, just I suppose drawing conclusion to my own comments. It, it is our responsibility as uh, we, we are the leaders of the trust uh, for our sins and it's um, it starts with us. So some of the values that we display, some of the, some of the attitudes that we display, some of how we work is reflected in our teams. So important. Robbie, would you like to add something to this? No, just to uh, just to underscore uh, Rob and, and Hash's uh, remarks that, you know, leaders are leading so what's a leader do right they're leading uh people so we how do we how do we lead how do we bring people along on our journey uh and that strategy and that's knowing people and knowing listen this is what uh this is this is where we're going and i'm leading you and they have trust uh and they have uh you know uh they will follow uh and i think if you if we do all those elements and actually people will follow uh, and and the, the leader then is aligned to the strategy and we know what kind of what we're doing and what's expected every quarter or even what you know what's what's uh what's the value as well so uh so yeah uh just wanted to mention that yeah it's just bad bad up clear vision probably that's what's needed um uh, and um you know, it, you know to, to without you know, trying to simplify it too much you know, people will follow if they, you know, they're confident about it, you know, the objectives, and they're saying that they can have confidence in what it is that's being proposed, and the leaders, senior leaders themselves are working walking in lockstep towards those objectives, um, and um, and a good communication strategy, regularly updating what's going on, um, yeah. encouraging engagement, um, challenge as well, you know, um, nobody knows, there's far too much um, for any of us to know. Uh, everything uh, is the things that we've missed encourage that engagement that regular dialogue in a way that um you know um, hopefully promotes that overall vision that everybody's aligned behind brilliant thanks very much for that rob so um before we end the podcast uh, i'd like to say thanks so much uh, to all our guests uh, for sharing their thoughts um if you are hiring for new technical roles or require digital consultancy feel free to get in touch with us here at evolution um, or if you or anyone you know uh, would like to be featured on a po uh, future podcast, uh, you can drop me a message too. Um, I'm Ben and you can find me on LinkedIn. 
um, or email me at ben.wells at evolution-contract.co.uk. Thanks again to uh, all our guests and thank you for listening. Uh, We hope you can join us next time.